All right, welcome to Black Ride, everybody. I am really excited to be back for another episode after a quick hiatus due to the quarantine, which I hope that everybody is staying safe out there. I have a really exciting guest on today. Anthony Easton Jr. is the author of Atonal, a short story published in Color Block Online. They are currently quarantined in southeastern Michigan, working on the next project, a novel, God's Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I feel like you have a lot of really great thoughts about this particular topic, sex positive narratives for queer people of color in YA. And I want to read a quote that you gave for this article because it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just you commenting on the state of queer YA. It's still overbearingly white, overwhelmingly middle class, and far too hetero-obsessed. Straight readers can't deal with gay sex and refuse to do so in narrative. Because queer writers desire similar readership to hetero writers, we tend to write with a little straight white woman peeking over our shoulders, trusting her to extract authenticity and replace it with calculated quips and metered anguish. We do not trust our own voices, our own experiences, our own narratives enough to in turn entrust our audience with a genuine queer, sex positive, or at least sex conversant narrative. So um, amazing, just like, oh, you're writing so beautiful, first of I all. Know. I can't believe I said that. Um. <laughs> I, you did, though, and it was like, honestly, it was one of the best parts of the article. So I love that you're getting at um, writing for the straight gays. So I want to ask you, what do you think the impact or the impacts, plural, is of having white women in control of our narratives and our, like, sexual interaction and like the portrayals of our intimacy in this way? Like, what do you think the effect is on the readership? And what do you think the effect is on us as queer black writers? I will begin by summing up. I'll begin with an illustration. So I had this moment years ago with a friend of mine at the time who incidentally is a straight white woman. And we were like strolling through Netflix trying to see like what we were gonna watch, right? It was a group of us. And I picked a whole bunch of different like gay movies that I had seen that I loved. Mm-hmm. And every time we got to one, she was like, No, nah, I don't wanna I don't wanna watch that. No, nah, I don't wanna watch that. No, nah, I don't wanna watch that. And of course, like after the third time, I'm sitting there like, Okay, maybe we just don't have the same taste, maybe it's just me. I don't really know. Like, because she was one of those open minded people that I thought, oh, she's not going to object to this because of what I think she's going to object to, right? Uh, And then after like the fourth time, she turned to me and she was like, here's the thing. Like, I love gay people, but I just don't think I can sit through a whole movie where y'all like, like the point of it is like sex. Oh, wow. Not even joking or a lie. And I was just like... That's bold to say. (laughs) All right. And I was like, oh, because sitting through the notebook is supposed to be comfortable for me. Okay. Lord. Right. I mean, Ryan Gosling, I'll sit through that any day. But, <laughs> but like, I think that for me epitomizes the attitude of a particular demographic of people mm-hmm. in our society who believe that they're woke enough just because they have gay friends. Like, oh, I'm cool with them. But then you drop the curtains a little bit and show them what, like, the whole life looks like. 
and suddenly they're like, oh, you have butt sex, though. <laughs> right. It's like the and difference think- between tolerance and not acceptance, but just like being willing to immerse yourself in the realities of gay, queer life. Right. And the thing about that, too, is that, you know, it really... <laughs> It really irritates me when I see, you know, certain folks within the publishing industry, usually, usually white folks who are gatekeepers also, they they love to use terms like, oh, I just didn't relate to this or, oh, I just didn't whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, but you expect me, a queer black person, to relate to all the swooning that's happening in these fictional high schools <laughs> and it's cool or whatever, but the whole point is not for me to relate to it necessarily the whole point of me is to understand what the hell is going on in the story and to slowly little by little come to an understanding of what the particular character is going through and what the particular character is feeling like and if my particular character has a sex life at 16 (laughs) it doesn't make sense for that character then to button it up for the sake of a narrative right you know it's weird because I go to narratives to learn something new, right? I'm excited by narratives that are not about my experience. And of course, I want to be seen because I've never seen myself in a book before. But, um, you know, you want to come to new understanding. So it's, 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 it's weird and it's really frustrating to see just the extent of narrowness that happens amongst gatekeepers and amongst the people who consider themselves so esteemed in publishing and it's so hoity-toity and it's so like, this is how you're supposed to speak and this is what you're supposed to do and this is what we want to see. Because of this issue and because there's so much pressure to, you know, write in a way that is more palatable or that writes sex out of the narratives, is there anything that you keep in mind when you're writing honestly that helps you get over that hump of like, this might not be accepted um, to where you're able to sort of subvert what is considered normal for from like a heteronormative perspective but also just from a sex perspective in general because i feel like there's two humps right there's the Mm -hmm. one hump of sex in general which you have to get past like the clean ya people and then Mm -hmm. there's the fact that it's gay which is like inherently raunchy to people you know so how do you get over that hump my approach to it is always the same in terms of how i approach any other writing problem which I learned, I have to admit, from two white ladies in publishing, whom I love dearly. Um, that would be Carrie Mesrobian, who is a, a YA author. Child, her sex scenes will make, let me tell you, that woman and her sex scenes every time. I'm like, excuse me? I'm screwed. I'm published as YA. Like, I love her so much. Um, and then the other one is Krista Disser, who they like, they teamed up, they did a podcast everybody should listen to the oral history podcast who wants to be a writer, especially if you want to write sex, because they really dig deep into what writing sex can provide the reader. And so they were the first couple of people that I learned to approach the problem like you would approach any other problem in writing. If you're going to write, for example, a fantasy novel and you're going to do some world building, if you're including in your world building how dragons fly and you got that on lock but you haven't figured out how dragons fuck you got a problem uh, <laughs> no seriously right, i mean right. that's all you know and and people love to sort of 
use all kinds of maneuvering to figure out how not to write about sex. And I ain't got time for that. Like, my yeah. characters suck. They yeah. just do. Or yeah. in the case of I have a character in one of my in my space opera project who is pretty much asexual. Um, he like they're they're in a sexual relationship, but the sex is a part of the relationship for their lover and not for themselves. And so there's a whole like a whole different approach to that character that I have to take simply yeah. because I know that that's a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and to not even approach the bench in terms of how they view sex just because I got spaceships. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so that's generally how I try to approach it is I just look at it and I go, oh, okay, how would I solve this problem if it was any other writing problem? Um, how do I fit this in with the narrative? And I don't have like there are no stories in my brain that exist without sex being a part of it even if that sex does not show up on the page stripping it out it it creates such a shame around it and it creates such an embarrassment around it rather than just um, because I think there's levels to this right there's Mm -hmm. the issue of wanting to portray sex as a natural thing and then there's the issue of portraying it in a way that might backfire um it might be overly promiscuous or it might be raunchy in a way that leaves teens with something i don't know that isn't the right message which obviously we can't we can't know when we're writing our truth how anyone is going to take it but what's the difference between um a sex conversant narrative and a, and, a, and a narrative where it's just like sex like it's just like you know wh- what's the distinction between sex on the page and and a conversation about sex i think that a you can have for example if you want to lean in on the swooning like if you want your book to have like a lot of feelings and grab the tissue box and all that kind of thing which I love, by the way. Like, give me a straight-up rom-com any day. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. There's a way in which particularly teenage characters respond to sex. Like, if you have an entire manuscript and nobody in that book in a high school has mentioned sex at all, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I keep saying that. But really, it's really frustrating when you read a book like that. You know, you got this 500-page uh contemporary realism narrative of two uh, gay people falling in love with each other over a long period of time, sending letters back and forth, and then finally meeting up, and the hottest thing that happens is a makeout? Like, bye. No. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. That's Somebody's not gay character at all. Right, and it's like, it doesn't have to be, like, it doesn't have to be pornographic. Mm. It, as a matter of fact, I advise it not be pornographic because this is not a porno. This is a novel. Right. Um, but for it to be sex conversant, I think your characters need to not only recognize that sex is real because that's how they got here, but also that sex is something that is a part of who they are, mm-hmm. even if it is to say, I don't want that right now. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't that way you know what I mean like there's your characters don't have to be damaged in order for them to be to have a masturbation scene you don't even have to have a masturbation scene you can just like lightly like 
jot around that. You can mention right. thoughts. And suddenly it's like, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, like reference it. <laughs> yeah, right. or just like have it in the internal monologue or just, you know, in the thought processes or the, or the conversations. And I feel like sex isn't even necessarily having sex. It's also mm-hmm. what that means. What is that? You know, when it's new, you need some kind of education. And we know that sex ed does not include queer people. Sex Hello. barely even teaches straight people the what they need to be doing. It's all just like, you know, you, you never get that real conversation, you know? Right. Um, right. So I want to also talk about your writing a little bit, if that's okay. Well, sure. Um, yeah. So, what I mean, whatever you want to say, like, what do you write? What are you working on? What? How's your journey going? Bring us into your 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 author space and and tell us about your your work. So I am currently working on. I'm working on a few things at once, just because I'm trying to figure out which idea will either works better in this like current quarantine space. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out what will not stress me the fuck out to write it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But they're all sort of, I, I'm really, really fascinated in um, in what I will call the fields of the fantastic, which for me includes like fantasy, any kind of fantasy, definitely includes horror, particularly supernatural horror. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it's fantasy, come on. Um, Absolutely. And so I'm really interested. I just read this book called um, A Short History of Fantasy by Sarah Mendelssohn and... Edward James, which is an incredibly exhaustive um, overview of fantasy starting, they start sort of like just before the turn of the 20th century, and then decade by decade sort of offer you like what the genre was doing during that decade, and then how it grew within the like, within that decade as well. Mm-hmm. And they stop at like 2008. So, like, I got really interested and have been for a long time in writing a fantasy novel that includes, not just includes, that takes queer Black folks for granted. Mm. So, for example, like a few years ago, um, you know, I love me some Toni Morrison. That is my girl. Yes. Um, And I was watching one of her many interviews. And she said something that I've heard her say a hundred thousand times in that same interview, and but for some reason it clicked differently. She it was an interview she gave with Charlie Rose where she said something along the effects of um, the idea of like like taking white folks and putting them at the very edges of the narrative. Yes, that they're almost not even in the book. Like they might be there in passing. Take them out. Yes. I'm right. Like... Just like, <laughs> remove them. And then she said, I love what she said. She goes, you know, once I took white men out, I could do anything. Absolutely. The whole world opened up. Yeah. And it suddenly I realized I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try that because I have read so many fantasy novels, so many, where you read the book and you get to the end of it and you realize ain't nobody in this book like darker than the inside of my palm, like everybody is that white. Mm. 
the whole world. Oh, okay, that's cute. And it becomes uh, a lot less relevant when you're like, <laughs> you feel like you wasted your time because it's like, okay, what am I learning that's going to change me in, in a global way, you know, or right. a significant way that's like of the world rather than of this section of the world that they think is supreme. Um, so I just decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to try that in reverse. I'm just going to write all black worlds I love because that. I'm interested in that. Like that looks cool. So I'm working on an idea right now that's basically it's this weird mix up of like a retelling of the ISIS myth with vampires and Cthulhu and <laughs> it's got a lot going on in there for it. Um, nice. But yeah, I was really interested in taking a, a, a queer couple and setting them at the very heart of a fucked up narrative and seeing how they survive. Like, mm. they're gonna survive, but like, what does it look like in relationship to weather that storm? And the last thing it looks like is like cute, happy romp through the forest. Like, nah, nope. Because one of them is like drug addicted to this magical drug. So there's that aspect to it. The other one is a vampire killer, but also half vampire. Oh, wow. That struggle going on. Yeah, there's a whole, it's a whole thing. <laughs> That's what I'm doing with um, one of my werewolf project as well. I kind of took white people out of the narrative and it's like, wow, like you can really get to those issues that are you know not policed by the white gaze because when you have the white gaze you want to make it all political and you want to make it fit into the market and it's just so limiting um yeah but that is really cool and i love that you're bringing in um different influences because um i feel like it's important to set ourselves free as writers yeah i should add to that the thing that that i decided to do also on top of that i completely removed straight people Yes. So there are, there's no That's hetero anything. Um, so that like the, the book, I, I came up with this idea the other day, like last night, really. The, I, for this book, the narrator, the narrators of the book are the parents of this character who's half vampire and is a vampire killer. Um, mm-hmm. So their parents are narrating the story. And it's an argument, basically, between the two of them that they've been having for generations because they're immortal. But what is interesting is that despite the fact that one is female and one is male, they are both queer as fuck because duh, that, that is also real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very interested in like opening up the literary uh, canon to as many expressions of queerness as exist because it's more interesting. Like, I don't want to read another Jane Austen novel. Like, I was done with that when she wrote the first six. Like, can we move on? Right. Nobody wants to read <laughs> Jane Austen, the Beyonce of white women. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Ooh, I, that added a lot of context for when I was at that, the moment I was at that romance co- convention or conference or whatever, and I said, and like Jane Austen, I got like a death stare from three white women in the vicinity and i was like what what happened i'm just giving my um, she like liberated them so that's how they feel anyway and i'm like listen she was one person from how many years ago like don't get me wrong right i will fuck out of pride and prejudice and sensibility like i'm down with it but i don't want my 21st century literature to sound like that like yeah i mean you have to progress at some point 
Right. Uh, this was a great conversation, though. Um, yeah. I definitely want to encourage everybody listening to follow Anthony on Twitter at Mr. Isom Writes. That's M-R-I-S-O-M Writes. Read their story on, well, it's Color Block now. It used to be Ethnics, but now it's Color Block. Color Block is a nonprofit that builds community for queer and trans people of color. You can read Anthony's story on their website in the fiction section. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming. This was awesome. This was amazing. <laughs>